making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for amazing deals days. Today's the final day. 0% financing, up to 60 months on select remaining in-stock 2023 GMC era half tons, plus a $5,000 cash discount. Visit wolfgmcbuick.com. By the way, uh, Megan Acosta has announced her retirement from hockey, and uh, that's another big name from the Canadian uh, national team. Gone. It is now time for... Declinations, and this is a super group. This is like when Crosby, Stills, and Nash added Young. We're talking two different firebrands, and they're all talking about dynasties. Tell us a little bit about what we're doing here, Declan. We're keeping this one very simple. We are going to be doing the top five dynasties in sports history, according to us. The Kansas City Chiefs, like we said at the top of the show, just won their third in five years. A lot of talk about them being a dynasty. Mm. We live in a city... Historically filled with dynasties, we're going to be doing the top five dynasties. So, today. and it has to be a team. It can't be like a duo or group or super group or a swimmer. It could be whatever you want. Okay, but mine personally are all teams. Okay, all right. M- mine has one man. Yeah, why is it? Okay. Why is it that he's always the outlier? I like that. I want to see where this he's, one goes. Just I'm like excited. He just got here. He and marches to the beat of his own drum. Follow the rules. Mm. I mean, the I got. I'm. Trying to keep the clergy away from the guy, but he keeps doing this stuff. To be fair, we didn't set too many rules when he came Oh, okay. In. All right. You know, so, go. Bad precedent. Number five, I have 2010's Alabama football. Six college football titles since 2009, 10 wins in every season since 2008. They've made the college football playoff every year it, is, it has existed except for one and nine appearance, appearances in the championship game since 2009. Incredible feat. They set the standard for college football. They rewrote the history books. They're my number five. Sir? Uh, at number five, I have the 84 to 90 Edmonton Oilers. We all know this team was crazy, crazy good. Um, they only, they only lost the, the two times, right? In that, in that uh, time period, but, uh, they won the best NHL team honors with the 84, 85 iteration. But to me, the most impressive part of this dynasty was their last win without Wayne Gretzky. The best team was the 87 team. I'm convinced of it, but that's a great choice. They really were. They're the most dynamic team I ever followed closely and most worthy of the title. Number four. Speaking of, the 1980s Oilers comes in at number four. Like Donovan said, five Stanleys in seven years, 90 points in six out of those seven seasons, and they led the NHL in goals for four years straight from 83 to 86. Edmonton Oilers, my number four. My number four is the 70s Montreal Canadiens. Six championships in that decade. And if I was to extend this to the 60s, they'd have another another five as well. They were just way too dominant to be off this list. I hate them, so they were a dynasty. Sam Pollock... <laughs> They were so good. Number three. Number three, the 1991 to 1998 Chicago Bulls led by one Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Six titles in eight years, two separate three-peats. And the biggest thing about this for me is how many great players in NBA history didn't eat because of Jordan. Carl Malone, ringless. John Stockton, ringless. Charles Barkley, ringless. Patrick Ewing, ringless. 
This guy, they couldn't do it on Jordan's watch. That's how good he was. And we talk about LeBron making all those straight finals, the the nine, the eight straight finals he made, having a stranglehold on the East. That was what Jordan had on the entire league in his prime. No one was eating on his watch. The most dominant athlete ever. They're my number three. You know, it, it, saying that hurts me because I was a 76 fan, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. They Nobody could get near it. No one ate. My number three is the New York Yankees of the late 40s and 50s. They won in, I'm just going to list off all these championship years, 47, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 56, and 58. They were an absolute juggernaut. Mickey Mantle, you had uh, Whitey Ford, you had Yogi Berra, ton of legends, ton of great players. They're my number three. They were, uh, and I want to get this right, but they went to, I might be wrong on this, but they went from Joe DiMaggio at center field to Mickey Mantle. Like, not who bad. does that? You know, yeah, not who, bad. Who does that? Number two. Number two, the UCLA men's basketball team from 1964 to 1975, led by the GOAT of college basketball coaches. It's not Coach K. It was John Wooden. 10 out of 12 NCAA titles in that year, including seven straight from 67 to 73, a record 88 straight games won from 71 to 74, and nine straight Final Four appearances. Best college basketball franchise ever. A true blue blood on the back of John Wooden. If you ever get a chance to read anything that Wooden wrote or said, he was way ahead of the curve. Incredible. Incredible coach. You are number two. My number two, the 90s Chicago Bulls. Six championships, including two three-peats. Um, I I can't che- uh, uh, I can't stand the Chiefs right now, so I can only imagine what basketball fans of the '90s thought of Jordan and the Bulls. Yeah, it was, it was, but he was so like even though you hated him, if you didn't cheer for the Bulls, he, he was so electric. Like the the shots that he made, like usually tongue hanging out, just amazing guy. All right, number one from Declan, the number one dynasty of all time, according to me. The Boston Celtics of the late 50s, early 60s. How can you, well, all of the 60s, actually. How can you dispute this? 11 championships, including eight in a row, 10 straight finals appearances. Bill Russell with the most rings of all time at 11. Sam Jones had 10. Tommy Heinz and John Havlicek with eight apiece. Incredible dynasty. We'll never see anything like it again. I know Henri Richard also has 11 rings, but we will never see an athlete reach that uh, level ever again. The Celtics, my number one. They were so good that a guy like Wilt the Stilt couldn't get in uh, much. He only has two. Yeah. yeah, and he was beyond good. He was maybe the best basketball player ever, although I, that's changed since he retired. But he just couldn't get in. The Russell was so good defensively, and that was a great team. Number one from Donovan. Remember how I said there was a man on this list? Yes. The man's name is Tom Brady. I could have gone with the Patriots. I could have made this uh, just, you know, routine, but I decided to spice it up. Tom Brady, seven rings, and somehow when I see him on TV, I still think to myself, my God, that man is so good at everything. He's good on TV. He was unbelievable on a football field. The guy's just an absolute stud. He is my number one answer, and this was really never in debate for me. He was a wonderful player, although they did cheat against the Eagles. I think we can all agree. I don't hate where you're going, but I do feel like it's a bit of a disservice to Bill Belichick to leave him off the list in that time frame. And I know Brady won an additional one without him, but I do think Belichick set a lot of the framework for Brady's success as well. So, and I I concur. That's a great point you're making. And I, I, I like your choice, but I think that that is a fair criticism. Now... Who's going to be better on TV, and why is it Tom Brady? 
Tom Brady has a unique out out has a unique insight to the game and breaks things down, outlines the game in a way that I don't think Bill, Bill Belichick can articulate quite no. as well. I think the only way Bill Bill Belichick can outdo Brady. Uh, like on camera and and with analysis is to become almost like Madden yes. where he just spews out truths in his funky way. And I don't think that's him. No, right? it isn't. I, I agree. Think. He Couple- talk about fishing. Couple honorable mentions really quickly. The Elks from 78 to 82, five consecutive Grey Cups, 60, 15, and 55 in that time. The Yankees from the 20s and 30s, yeah. seven of the 13 World Series. Babe Ruth. Of Lee course, Eric. I had the, yeah, yeah. Of course, I had the Patriots in there, the 70s Canadians as well. And a special shout out to the 2000s UConn women's basketball team, 10 out of 17 titles from 2000 to 2016, four in a row from 13 to 16, and 14 straight Final Fours. Wow. Amazing stuff. That was good. I enjoyed that, boys. Yeah. Did we so, do can okay? we do it again next Friday? We'll definitely be here next Friday. Absolutely. Okay. Um, have you got an idea in mind about what it would be? Well, you know, my sister's very involved with this show. She mm-hmm. had texted me a couple weeks back to do the top five successful rebuilds in all of sports oh, history. So that would be the Oilers of 06, 07, the Oilers of 07, 08. <laughs> yeah, just year by year. Uh, so I think we might get into that one. I do think uh, it's going to take a little bit of research, but uh, I'm excited for it. That's actually a really good idea. Now, the Oilers are on the ice. Jack Michaels tweeted out the lines. Can I give them to you? Yes. We can mull this. Pickard's starting, right? Yep. McDavid between Dreisaitl and Perry. Nuage between Kane and Hyman. McLeod between Holloway and Fogel and Ryan between Yanmark and Brown. Well, we were talking about shuffling the lines. That'll do it. I'm surprised McDavid and Hyman are apart. Um... Yeah. The third line is smoking, smoking. If they get the puck and they can keep the puck, it's going to be in the other end, lickety split. Thoughts, boys? Anything on that that strikes you immediately? I have concern with Corey Perry's lack of speed playing up on that top unit. That is the first thing that jumped out to me. Breaking up McDavid and Hyman was the second. Holloway on the left side, I'm not too mad at. I, the fourth line, you know, whatever. Uh, but like I said, those top two lines, Perry's lack of speed and breaking up McDavid and Hyman, I'm not too sure about that. Donovan, anything uh, strike you? Um, all I can think of is the uh, quote from Dodgeball. Uh, it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for him. <laughs> uh, let, let's see how it works. It, it could work. It could not. Perry, like you said, Declan... The, the lack of speed might be an issue, but uh, you never know till you try it. Let's let's see how it works. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not sold on this one. I think they've flown too close to the sun. Uh, I, I McDavid Drysidle, okay, but then you know you've got Hyman, Nuge, and Kane. Uh, I, the third line I like fine. I think Perry is is just too high. Um, I don't think those lines last the game in Dallas. I think by the third period, they'll look a little bit different. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, By the way, can I just spend a moment talking about somebody that I consider to be, even though just I don't know him, I've never met him, but I consider him to be an online friend. Um, Aaron Portsline has a list of Blue Jackets next GM likely to come from outside the organization. And among the names that he has listed is a guy I believe will be a general manager soon, Eric Tulsky, uh, who used to write for uh, the Philadelphia uh, blog for um, 
What the heck was the name of it? I can't remember now. Anyway, he wrote brilliant stuff. He's the one who first told me how important the neutral zone was, and I knew that intuitively, but not to the point that he did it. Passing through the neutral zone and maintaining possession contributes to goals in a big way. Tulski's brilliant, and he is listed there. I'm pretty pleased about that. I'd like to see him get a job. I've, I thought in my own way that maybe he'd come to Edmonton um, because they do seem to be sending or heading into a direction like that in Edmonton. Jeff Jackson obviously uh, knows analytics. They hired uh, Michael Parcati. Uh, Brad Holland um, is is well uh, uh, immersed into analytics. So I wrote about it today about how the Oilers, even though they, they might not have a first or a second round pick this year, there are ways they can add and procure. And Parcati, for years, was able to identify really good players. Uh, that were available in the draft and then after the draft. I would not be surprised if the Oilers end up drafting five guys and signing three after the draft who are would be eligible to sign because I think they're going to have a very... They have to have a very active signing season this spring. They're, they're just running out of hockey players. I've said my piece. I say no more. Did we have any summation, any reactions to the list, boys, that I haven't seen? A lot of uh, a lot of uh, pushback for no Tiger Woods on the list. I saw Canadians five in their own the fifties, Islanders four in a row. Um, I said, in the- you, and I, I know I'm not I'm not trying to trump on the Brady thing because you had two different teams there, but I don't think Woods qualifies in this category. Not yeah. naturally. I agree. I th- like I think Dynasty just kind of has a uh, connotation that it, it's built around the team. And if I was going to go an individual athlete, we got one text in from Michael Phelps. I would have Michael Phelps in as an individual athlete because he did Phelps it over, yeah, five Oli- four Olympic, five yeah. Olympics. I think cause he started. He didn't win a gold at Sydney, but he started there. He made people forget about Mark Spitz. That's how good Michael Phelps was. Got to be tough if you're Mark Spitz, though. My goodness, seven golds and forgotten about less he, than he was. 40 like years I, later. I, I was young and I lived through that era, and it was like he became so famous so quickly, and people couldn't believe what he did. Yeah, he was a real American hero for the time. He looked the part too. He had the mustache and everything. My goodness, he was a great butterfly. You think Brady will be better than Romo on TV? I think he might be. Although Romo is brilliant, I really like him. Um, I want people to tell me what I don't know. And, and like, I'm not one of those people who, who, like, I do follow analytics and I do believe in the numbers, but I also believe that, that, like, if you ever listen to Jason Strudwick, he's a hockey player and his insight is really from the ice. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I was talking to him one time about, I said, I, I can't remember the player, I, but somebody he had played against. And I said, well, he's really not that fast. And he laughed. He goes, well, I'll tell you what, Al, you go out there and you try to stop him when he's skating down the ice and you're realizing that he's got a step on you because it's not, it's frightening, you know? And, and I think that uh, people who play the game can offer insight that those who did not, I'm not saying it's the be all and end all. I'm not saying you can't disagree with them and maybe they're absolutely wrong. But it's like when people talk about intimidators, I remember Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall were all about Luke Gazdick. They wanted him on their, the, the team. And I, I remember thinking to myself, well, I cannot see it in the numbers, but they are on the ice. They are in the, on the team, and they value it. So I, I think you have to make allowances for things that are not measurable as being important. And that's an example. So... There you go. I'm giving speeches today. I don't know if, what that's about, boys, but uh, it'll yeah. probably continue. Mass monologues here, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of my jam, but usually I do it in the car on the way home. Do you ever do that? Do you ever get in the car on the way home and then think about what you should have said on the radio? Oh, constantly. Yeah, Yeah. constantly. So could you tell people what you're wearing and why that's an obsession of yours? Me? Yeah. The Syracuse sweater. Yes, I'm a big Syracuse uh, college basketball fan. They are my college basketball team of choice. was built around uh, Tyler Ennis back when he was on that team in 2013-14 when they were going undefeated, making runs uh, in the regular season. Didn't quite work out in the uh, NCAA tournament, but uh, I stayed loyal to the Orange. Jim Boeheim, right? Jim Boeheim, yes. I'm convinced that if you went back to an 1840s basketball photo from Syracuse. He'd be there. Boeheim's there. (laughs) Yeah. And they gave Jim Boeheim coming into this season the old, hey, we're not going to fire you but uh, this is going to be a mutual mutual parting of ways didn't love it but uh, you know is what it is playing great ball at home this year as well 16 and 9 overall how old is Bayheim? 410 yeah he's up vampire age we uh, he's got to be past 400 and coached for about 385 of those yeah. years so yeah. I know that he can't go out in the sun <laughs> yeah probably shouldn't be driving a car either no. But, no. uh, yeah, and, it is what it uh, is. I know Great coach. Won us a championship. Whole thing with garlic, too. So I don't know where we're heading with that. Okay. Is Yaremchuk on the show today? Yaremchuk's going to be by, yeah. You know what? I, I, mean, I wasn't going to say anything, but he invited me and then uninvited me to be on the uh, the Oilers Nation uh, live show during the game. Oh, wow. After the second period. That's he said, Al, bit? you want to come on? And I said, yeah, I'll give him my, give my number. And he goes, yeah, I don't know if we have the technology to do that. I'm like, what the hell? You know. How hard is it to get a telephone into the computer? I don't. I don't know. Was it a telephone? Are you positive it was a telephone? Well, he said something like, "I'm going to make him explain," because I think he was. Just, I think he got a better guest. Are you sure he didn't try and page him? Or I said, "Call me," and he says, "I don't know if we can do this. I got to check with my producer." I'm like, "I thought you were your producer." I it just, it just you know it's like you know when so you ask somebody out and they say yes and you go, "Oh, I don't know." I felt like that. You know, I felt like. I wouldn't have eaten too much. I would order from like, you know, the lesser part of the menu. I wasn't going to order expensive wine. Ask me out and then says, ah, uh, no, I don't think so. It just, it just hurt a little, you know, we worked together. Crying out loud. All right. Your M check on the way. This is the lowdown with low tide on sports 1440. It's the lowdown on sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com and amazing deals days. Last last day today. Check it out. All right. Text that I want to read goes like this. I've lost it. Starting to like the Don Man's takes and out there list. Look out low tide. The next generation is sneaking up on you. Cheers, Sunny in Calgary. Sneaking up on me. I got Declan over here who's passed me. I got the Don Man who's already got a cool nickname. And then on the line is Tyler Uremchuk who is like working daily with uh, Frank Saravalli and going to playoff games and all-star games and God knows what else. So that's law. I've got athlete scalp here. People are walking all over top of me. Uremchuk, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Low Tide. It sounds like you are not at all having some sort of crisis, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> Hey, well, you you texted me last night. You said, oh, come on, man. I said, great. And then you said, you made up some phone excuse. What the hell? 
Because I broadcast on the internet, so I was prepared to like send you a link, and you got to download an app and join it. And you replied with your phone number, and I was already on the air, so I'm telling my producer, I'm like, can we bring on phone numbers? Is that possible? Like, no, we can't do phone calls. It's an internet broadcast. Well, I was on. I was driving. What? What did you want me to send you? Well, exactly. That's, I know. It just we'll make it work another time. But I okay. do have. A bunch of listeners in my everyday show are always like, you got to find a way to do something with Lota. And I'm like, well, I'm on well, his show once a week, but send, the people want to see you on Oilers Nation. I'll tell you what. Send me a link. Wait wait two weeks until my son can tell me to figure out how it works, and then we can do it. There we go. All Sounds right. like a plan. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have to wait two weeks or not, but the Edmonton Oilers... Uh, they need to do some work. And we see the lines today uh, look a little different, Tyler. Like, you know, actually a lot different. Yeah. Um, so Corey Perry scores the one goal with McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's enough to get him, you know, the full-time promotion for the time being, I suppose. But I'll be honest. I look at that top line and I'm like, could it work? Sure. I look at the rest of that lineup and it's like that fourth line, they're not scoring anytime soon. Evander Kane, Zach Hyman, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, how confident are we that that can be a consistent scoring line? I think we kind of know at this point that Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't exactly an elite top six centerman. He's a darn good winger, and I think that's kind of the book on Nugent. And that third line has played together for nearly an hour and hasn't scored a single goal together. So the rest of that lineup just leaves me wanting so much more, but it also highlights this team's got to add some scoring ahead of the deadline. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I always say push the river. Some people call them drivers. McDavid is a, the best driver on the planet. Leon Dreisaitl can do it, but Nuge is, Nuge has always been a complimentary scorer. And as good as Hyman is, I think he is also a complimentary scorer. Kane as well. They're really good, but you need that guy who can create uh, it's as simple as sometimes as carrying the puck into the offensive zone, setting up and starting a play. And McDavid and Drysaddle can do that all day. And Hyman can sometimes, but Nuge is, he's just a complimentary guy. That's not an insult. That's just what he is. Yeah. I think again, long-term wise, you need Connor and Leon on separate lines and you need to add one more impactful top nine forward, maybe even two, but let's start with one just to give, even if it's that third line, a chance to do something. Like, I look at it, McLeod and Fogel, sure, the possession numbers are fine and all of that, but they don't score when it's just the two of them. They were scoring with Leon Dreisaitl. I would say go back to McLeod, Fogel, and Dreisaitl. You know that second line was working. They were producing for you. And go with a third line that's something like Dylan Holloway, Evander Kane, and Corey Perry. And maybe you can get something going there, but they need another piece really bad. They also need help on the PK. It was so good, and then seven goals in the, against in the last four games. I don't have an answer. I know they're running around. I know that, uh, but they've got to. They have to solve this because they had such a great run. I don't think the playoffs are in doubt. But you want to be winning enough games here so that you can at least push Vegas, right? Yeah, you want to try get home ice in round one. Like As the days go on, it feels more and more certain that we're getting an Oilers-Vegas round one. But again, having home ice would be relatively significant. I think this next month here for the Oilers, because like you said, the playoffs aren't in doubt, it should be all about experimenting. And that's why I don't agree with going Connor and Leon on the same line. Give Dylan Holloway three games with Leon Drysaddle, not two periods. Give him three games there to see what you have. And if you're not going to do that, 
Give Dylan Holloway five games at center so you can see what you have there and really figure it out. I don't agree with this. Loading it up. It's the same old, same old. We know the bottom nine right now that Chris Knobloch threw together in practice. It won't work. We know that fourth line cannot score. We're game 50, whatever. Matias Janmark can't score. Connor Brown can't score. Derek Ryan can barely score. I think it's time to consider, again, experimenting, seeing what you have. Lane Peterson has 13 goals in 38 American League games. Call him up. You're telling me he's going to be worse than Derek Ryan at being your fourth-line center? Not a chance. There's at least some upside there. Give Raphael Lavoie another look. 15 goals in 36 Bakersfield games this season. I would be giving guys looks that maybe you haven't already this season and just trying to find something, some sort of offense, so you know 100% with certainty what you need at the deadline. Connor Brown had four high dangers, hit a post last night or a crossbar. Uh, is there any hope for him, or do you just, you know, I, I think they'll lose him on waivers, and I get that that's, that's not going to be a good look, but if, he's, if, he, if he can't play, you can't play, right? You can't have all three of him, Yanmark, and Derek Ryan in the lineup, never mind on the same line. I think you can have one guy who is snake bit and a PK specialist. I'm fine with that. And if I had to pick between the three, weirdly enough, I'd probably pick Connor Brown because he moves a little bit better than the other two, and he actually generates some looks on his own. Matthias Janmark's lone goal this year went in off his neck or whatever it was, or off his chest. Like, <laughs> And he, he can generate things on his own. Derek Ryan is a little bit better at it. At least Connor Brown you know, gets the ball to the hoop a little, attacks the rim with some tenacity, and, and has you holding your breath a couple of times a game, going like, I oh, might get it here. You can have one of those guys in the lineup, not all of them. I, I would run, again, it's not going to happen. It's so far-fetched. I would have a fourth line that is like Lane Peterson, Raphael Lavoie, and Connor Brown flipped on his offside, and I'd see if maybe you can catch lightning in a bottle there. Tyler Gramchuk correctly identifying Matthias Janmark as the leader in the NHL, goal scored via neck per 60. Well done. <laughs> uh, and then we, we, you know, we move from the penalty kill and Connor Brown and all of those things. The, the text line today ha- is convinced that Boone Jenner is the guy. Boone Jenner apparently not going to be leaving uh, Columbus as they change general matters. Managers, uh, I always like your takes on you because you've become very passionate about one or two players. Have you landed on anybody for the Oilers? So I, I found a guy I like, but I hate the price. And it's uh, this is something Gregor kind of got me onto. It's Nick Dowd. If you could get Nick Dowd, and he scores in a fourth line role, he does a lot of things well. Six three, right shot as well. Like checks a lot of boxes for the Oilers. He's dirt cheap, one point three million. Comes with a second year. So if you have to overpay a little bit, I know he's 33, but at least you can sit there and say, hey, we're, we're getting him for a second season, and that helps. And Gregor's thrown out the name Beck Malenstein on the Capitals, who, 26 years old, pending RFA, 26, so he doesn't really fit Washington's little rebuild window here. Again, would come with some control. If Washington would retain a little on Dowd, get him down to like $1 million, and throw in Beck Malenstein, I know it's not household names, but I'd be very tempted to give up the first-round pick for that if you can't get anything else. Get a physical fourth line that can score, and the most important part that Gregor likes to point out, take some hard matchups away from McDavid and Dreisaitl and totally change the way you handle your matchups on home ice. I really do think adding some depth to this team is is a big, big need. So, so hear me out. I'm just going to throw this out here. Gregor's talked to everybody about this. He's talked for a month on the air about this. 
if it happens, Frankenstein endowed for the first round pick and the Edmonton Oilers win the Stanley Cup, do you know that Gregor will be impossible for five years? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe they should just use the first on Eberly instead and just <laughs> save us the hassle. I I can see it coming. I can see it. I I can see this coming a mile away, and it makes sense. It's a good idea. He th- nobody else thought of it, and I I mean, if it happened to me, I'd I'd run that thing for five years. I'm just saying, there's a danger here. It would be, you know, it might get brought up a few times. I'm just saying, in the next five years, if it happens like that. Uh, did you ever yeah. hear of Malenstein before Gregor started talking about him? Oh, God, no. I thought maybe Gregor was making it up to test us. But then I looked into the player a little bit, and it's like, actually, he does a lot of things well, and they're yeah. both penalty kill guys, and they both have produced a bit of offense with the Capitals. And I don't know. I, I could get behind a fourth line that is Malenstein, Dowd, and Connor Brown. I think that could actually be a pretty good trio. And if you sit there and go, what, you're going to waste your first-round pick upgrading the fourth line look at it more like a third line because they'll be playing heavy minutes defensive important minutes for you nick dowd can win draws as a right shot that's something the oilers have always needed like it's not just spending big to upgrade the fourth line it's spending big to really give yourself a layer of depth and get two guys who can help for multiple years it's also a little bit like what vegas did because the roy line wasn't really the fourth line because it played heavy matchups and it was, you know, one they could count on and they would roll it. And it sort of made it competitive in Vegas where that line was chewing away at the third and second line minutes. Yeah. Like, again, I, sometimes I think we get in trouble when we sit here and label everything first, second, third, fourth line with the Oilers. You're really just trying to build and you already have, let's be honest, a top six that if deployed right will consistently outscore the other team. Now, if you can get a bottom six that can consistently outscore the other team, even when the top six has off nights, the bottom six can pick you up, and you'll just be that much more difficult to beat. So I love the idea of a Gensel or an Eberly or something like that. I just think if that's not going to happen, going the let's make a damn good fourth line, similar to what Vegas used against us last year, go, go that route. Why not? you got to spend big on something at this deadline. You can't sit still. It's absolutely true. Now, uh, our, uh, because I know you're a big Jays fan, uh, I need to ask you about Vladdy and the arbitration and any worry you have. And then I have to ask you about the, the the lack of a big move. I know they made one small move here and people are really dissing it. But the Jays feel like they, they kind of slumbered through the wintertime. Are you excited for the season? Are you excited about what the Jays look like? Uh, I mean, I'm excited because I love baseball, but I have very low hopes for this Blue Jays team. They're banking on a lot of internal bounce backs this year, and I think that's a very dangerous game to play. I don't know. I'm a little bit worried this year is going to go sideways, if I'm being totally honest. But who knows? Maybe Alec Manoa bounces back, Vladdy hits 40 dingers, and we're sitting here once again in September talking about a team that, oh, oh, could they go on a magical run? I'd love it. (laughs) I'm just not as confident as I've been in years past. It it was not a good winter. You should have a show called Magical Run. Yeah. No. Why not? And any thoughts of of you guys changing the name of the website to Dangerous Face Off? Because I thought that was a really good name. (laughs) No, Frank would never stand for that. Okay. All right. Uh, Extra day off. What do you do with an extra day off? Do you fly somewhere? Yeah, I'm going to Arizona to watch the Oilers play in Mullet Arena with 50 other Oilers fans on a nation vacation low tide. You know I'm still. Nice. Love it. Uh, I've got a buddy who's down there, and he loves watching the games there. He just loves it. 
yeah, it's, I'm very, it's, a, it's such a unique thing. And if they're going to move soon, like the only chance to kind of do it. So I'm stoked. Beautiful. Have a great weekend. Enjoy yourself, buddy. See you, Dad. All right. There you go. Tyler, your Chuck. Did we have any comments, boys? Anything we'd like to add? I don't think so. I can't say it better than your Remchuk, so I leave it in your capable hands. Wow. So in other words, you're playing solitaire on your computer. Wasn't listening. That's yeah, exactly. no, totally. I, I was out that. of the room. I was having a chat with Connor Halley for a second there. Yeah. How's um, the hell man doing? Oh, he's doing great. Yeah. He's doing great. Yeah. Spirits are high. He's doing well. Yeah. Well, he's newly married, so that's uh, yeah. seven years of... Bliss? You know, well, <laughs> bliss, I mean... You know, uh, so what's the final segment about? Do we have any plans for it? Final segment is open. I mean, I would presume it's going to be a bit of an Oilers look ahead to tomorrow. NBA All Star Weekend also coming up, but uh, yeah, I mean, the lines are probably probably going to be a big top of congress conversation here. Yeah, I thought your Amtrak had some good points. I will steal them for an article, uh, but I I think that you know what, what he said was you you have to split up McDavid and Drysaddle, and then you're just trying to find guys who can outscore not even high high volume scoring just outscore the opposition at five on five and the pk needs some help okay we'll talk about that holloway is the fourth line center that's being brought up gagne play the man that's being brought up too we'll talk about it next lowdown with low tide on sports 1440 sports 1440 lowdown brought to you by wolf gmc buick wolf buick.com final final segment final final for the week you know, I was going to go one way, but I'm going to go a different way. I've changed my mind. been thinking about this all week, and I want to do it. So everybody's talking about Nathan McKinnon being the MVP this year. And he has 46 five-on-five points in 55 games. McDavid has 43 in 48 games, so he's got seven fewer games. Now, some of them have been injured, some that they, the orders hold in hand. But right in the middle of it is Nikita Kucherov, who Declan has mentioned several times as being somebody who should be considered for the Hart Trophy. So, Declan, do you still believe that? Are you convinced he's at least one of the top three candidates? Yeah, I think the top three pretty... um Pretty well and good for me is McKinnon, Kucherov, and McDavid. I don't know who's going to end up winning it naturally. I, you know, Kuch has obviously pulled ahead a little bit here. McKinnon has had a phenomenal year and had a phenomenal streak there for a little while. I think it'll end up being one of those three. Um, and I don't think you can really go wrong when it comes down to either of those three. One of the things that I look at, and I do think it's important, is five on five points per 60 because the, the Oilers get, a, I think, an unfair advantage on the power play because it's so good. But pure numbers... Five on five points per sixty. You're playing a lot. You're you're posting some numbers, but you're you're also eating up a lot of the minutes. McDavid leads at three point three points per sixty. McKinnon is fourth at two ninety nine. Kucherov is fifth at two eighty nine. I do have a point here, and that is this: they're all great. They are great players. Elias Pettersson is number two. Sagan is number three. Th- that top five: Austin Matthews is six. Duchesne seven. They're all brilliant. And I do think that years like this one where McDavid isn't clearly number one don't mm-hmm. benefit him because there's a there's a, almost like a an award exhaustion that comes. Oh, yeah. Voters are so very sure. real. Yeah. And people are like, oh, God, you know, not him again. And it happened to Orr. It happened to Gretzky. And I think it's happening to McDavid. I think Kucherov has a chance. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? 
what you talked about uh, Pedersen being second in second in those rankings there he deserves a lot of credit as well it because is. Vancouver is playing out of their mind and he is the reason why he's the catalyst for that team they got listen JT Miller great Quinn Hughes great but Elias Pedersen fifth and top five in the league in scoring um, incredible job is the leading this Vancouver team he needs to be in that conversation as well yeah I, I'm uh I'm really impressed with Vancouver. I know that there's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, but credit where due. And they have Demko. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, man, goaltending. Because we all know come playoff time, goaltending just becomes such an important part of it. By the way, Zach Hyman, 2.61. Leon Dreisaitl, 2.49. Underrated this year, Warren Fogel at two point four. He really has had a really good year. Yeah, I'm saying we don't we don't give Warren Fogel the credit he deserves more often than not. Well, I think a and lot it, of that is Donovan not giving him. Credit. Well, I, I don't know about that. I'm not going to. I do think there are there are spots where it's warranted, and you can point to obvious things where it's warranted. But I think as a whole, I'm very happy with Warren Fogel, and I like the numbers there. Who do you like as MVP, Donovan? I'm going to say McKinnon gets it because it would be his first, and he's kind of the most surprising non MVP in the NHL right now, but. I do love me some Nikita Kucherov. He genuinely could be one of the most underrated stars in sports yeah, history ever. I think ever. that's right. I like, think I agree with that. Y- you look at the guy's career track record, he's already won a heart. Some people are going to forget that. The guy's gotten heart trophy votes. Um, I think. If, I mean, he's going to get heart trophy votes this year, and that will make it the sixth time he's received heart trophy votes. He's won it once. The guy's had multiple 100-point seasons He's genuine. Is he the most underrated NHL player in the league right now? He, he might be. I think maybe yeah. ever. Yeah, he's he's really that good. Uh, and the more I look at it, sorry to interrupt. Yep. I know, uh, the more I look at it, I'm I, I'm leaning Cooch. Cooch is my favorite, and I think it would be well deserved. So you guys have to solve a problem for me. This is this is the what do the uh, does the old man do Friday night segment, and so I'll drive. I've got an appointment I got to go to. Uh, I have to listen to other people talk for a while, which I guess is okay. And then I'm going to stop by the grocery store and I'm going to buy a Chipotle chicken and some buns, maybe some potato salad if I'm in a good mood, and I'm going to head home. And ordinarily, I'd watch sports. There's one game. It's Hurricanes-Coyotes. Not terribly interesting in the NHL. No NBA. Um, I've watched all the rom-coms. I, I'm up to date with my Murder, She Wrote's. What's to do? When you're in that situation, what's your go-to, boys? I mean, you could watch the Canadians play some golf uh, tonight. Maybe get a little rerun of the Genesis uh, Invitational. Mm-hmm. You could maybe watch. Uh, I know. I know they're doing quite well right now. Uh, you'll hear about them in my sports update. But you could watch golf. I don't know. Maybe you could read a nice book. I don't know if that's your speed. Um, right, like you mean, like uh, you just told you you couldn't read. <laughs> just by the way, you know, I, is this like you know? Where's the frog and, and, you know, Mr. Muddle's bad day? Stuff like that, you mean? I, I could see you reading some Dr. Seuss. Mm, I, I love Dr. Seuss. I, I could see you with some, some Marvin nice Dr. K. Seuss. Mooney, will you please go now? Maybe you could uh, get some uh, some flashback music going. I, I don't oh, I don't know what that would one. be for you, but... Um, you know, I was listening to some Amy Lou this morning and uh, Roy Orbison. I could do that. That's not bad. Th- those are good suggestions. 
I mean, what you really should be doing is getting to bed early so you can be up tomorrow at 9 a.m. for the Saturday sports setup here on Sports 1440. That would be my suggestion. Uh, NBA Rising Stars game is tonight if you mm-hmm. want to do that. But listen, I always love playing a nice game of chess, you know? Oh, well, I do play solitaire online. You no, know, play some chess. Well, we'll get the brain the going. The problem with, solid, with chess is that I would lose the first 500 games. I've forgotten how to play. That's fine. You, hey, no. you can't. You got you to lose to get better. And the basketball show on again tomorrow? A basketball show's on tomorrow at 10 a.m., yeah. It's going to be following. And you're on at 9? Yeah, we're on at 9. And what are you going to be doing on this big 9 o'clock show? Well, funny enough, Connor actually sent out an email listing the... Uh Listing the outline of the show, we're going to be talking Oilers and Stars, of course, previewing that game. We, uh, we we can't miss that. UFC 298 and NBA All-Star Weekend. So loaded show. We're going to try and fit it all into an hour. It's going to be four of us in here, so it's going to be busy, but we're looking forward four. to it. Yeah. So that's a lot of microphones and a lot of voices. A lot of, I'm going to be in your chair. So Wow. Yeah. Heavy wears the crown. Right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so you've got to be like the loose cannon with, you bring up stuff that nobody talked about. No, no, no. I'm going to no. be, uh, I'm going to be directing this a la James Cameron. I, uh, I've already worked it out how I think. His wife be. was a better director. Who was his wife? I can't remember. Oh, well, okay. I remember James Cameron, so I don't know about that. <laughs> Did she make Titanic and Terminator 2? No, but she made some, hold on now. I want to get this right because she's, uh, um, oh, he's been married five times. Good job, James Cameron. Um, damn it all. Well, anyway, I had a point. I just don't, can't make it strong because I don't have the name. <laughs> yeah. Good, good job. She on won that an one. award for, yeah. for, for a movie and I had, I had that line and I've, then I looked it up, and he's had five wives. I can't research five wives on the, yeah, on the uh, what is he, Henry VIII? What that's the that's hell? quite a few. I, yeah, her name was Anne Boleyn. <laughs> Who has five wives? Like, clear, wouldn't you say, like, if you have, like, like if, you, if you're two wives in and you're divorcing, wouldn't you just go, I'm not going to get married again? Yeah, but, you know, there's something to be said for, I think, obviously I can't speak to this, but, you know, maybe potentially something to be said for the loneliness that comes when you're without a wife. But if you've had you just four. have companionship and go for lunch? Yeah, you certainly could, but I don't know. You like someone there when you wake up. You like, you know, someone but there when you But clearly you don't because you've divorced two people. Oh, well, but, you know, you keep, keep, you keep getting them back, right? There's got to be something to be said for it's that. It's because the new one doesn't know your shtick. You know, maybe they're just really big fans of his movies, and they don't know anything about him. I what what Titanic? What else has he done? Avatar, oh, Terminator I hate that Two, movie. yeah, t- Terminator Two. He I actually think. directed the sequel to Piranha in 1986. I think it was his first uh, directing job. Piranha was a 1978 monster flick, Jaws ripoff movie, like that one. But yeah. uh, funny, that's where you got to start. Have you ever seen RoboCop? I have seen RoboCop. I love that movie. Have you seen the remake? No. Uh, good. It was terrible. <laughs> what's the what's the clunkiest movie? I think we have time. The clunkiest movie that you really would never admit in public that you like that you like. Transformers. I very much enjoy Transformers. It's so much fun watching robots just kill each other. I, I can't lie. It's like a guilty pleasure. I guess would be the the best way I can put it. So Transformers. That's mine. Manos in the Hand of Faith. It's from 1966. It was like some weird fertilizer salesman who made a bet with a friend he could make a movie for 10K. Worst movie of all time. Hardly any it. editing. Audio's not synced, but a fun watch. Uh, the movie I will list, and uh, I, I will tell you not to watch it because I only watch it for how bad it was and for Anne-Margaret and what she does with... Well, anyway, I'm not going to just say it out loud, but Tommy, the movie Tommy, the Who movie... Mm. 
No, no, you're thinking of Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. No, and Tommy Chase. Boy, I like, but Tommy, the movie Tommy, there's about 40 minutes of it. And Roger Daltrey is wandering around a dump that has only refrigerators. And I watched the movie as a lark, as a humor thing, but it's tough to watch. It really is. But I like it. I do genuinely like the movie because it's a little deja vu for me. I watched it so many times. A British satirical surrealist operetta fantasy film? Yes. Okay. Duda. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's. Uh, Oh, man. And Margaret. Tina Turner's in it, too. Elton John. My goodness. I'm looking down this cast list right now. Yeah. It's pretty wild. It should be exciting, and yet is not. Worth a watch, I guess. Worth a watch. All right. So Jason Greger's on the way. I'm going to be on the Greger Show at 520 today. Uh, Mark your calendars. And you boys have a great weekend. We're back Tuesday. Are we going to uh, uh, Nobody's told me how long we're doing the three-person thing. How long is that happening? I think it's kind of up to you. I mean, Donovan, as you know, is well-established as a practicum student here. That does have a life t- lifespan. I'm not sure when that is. Okay. Obviously, if when you're you upset done? with the dynamic, uh, we'll butt out. What? What? When are you done your practicum? I am done in April. I think the middle of April, April okay. 18th. Would you be like open that? to doing this most of the time unless you're called away to do something else? Uh, yeah, I'd be open to it 100%. Okay. All right. So we will do this until we're shut down, which will be next Thursday. Oh, if not sooner. Okay, beautiful. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Gregor, next time for an update.